This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. ever thought the building in Flower Branch would be this busy in the offseason? More news coming out of the uh, branch to get to in a moment with Chuck and Chernoff. I'm Matt. That's Chuck. We're live on the fan on FM at 93.7. And FM signals where you find a lot of other signals you can flip over there. We're still on AM, which is still a thing. If you want to flip over there, there's not a ton over there. But we're there. And then the 6-8 of the fan mobile app. That's an application that you can download, have it on your phone, and listen to us whenever, wherever. It works a lot of the time, and it's cool. Not a bad gig. The 4 o'clock hour of the show is presented by Entry Point Doors and Windows, Atlanta's local expert for entry doors and windows. They're Atlanta's best for a reason. Go to entrypointatlanta.com for a free estimate. Chuck is sitting across from me. He looks Natalie attired. He's got an Auburn pullover on. Looks good. He's got a, a college football today around the corner. What can we look forward to? I do look pretty good. You do look great. Appreciate you. Look rusted. I wanted to linger on that a little well, bit. Now you tease stuff. Uh, yeah, we got uh, even more portal weirdness. And if you thought the very last rule about recruiting still was valid, it ain't. I'll tell you all about that next. So Ian Rappaport uh, says the Falcons have requested to interview Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald and their associate head coach and defensive line coach Anthony Weaver for a second time. So you got those second interviews coming this week. You got Raheem Morris for a second interview this week. You got Mike Vrabel in person on Wednesday for an interview this week. This, again, as we described, one source called this the most comprehensive coaching search the NFL might have ever seen. So, Chuck, you know one of two things here. They are just doing what they should. Due diligence, cover every base. Or they've made their decision, and when they get to the presser and they announce Bill Belichick, they can say, but... This was the most intensive search anybody's ever put forward. When it was all done, it took us back to Belichick. That's how my sinister mind works on this. It's one of those two, and I lean to the second. I said it, it, earlier in the show that there are two categories. Uh, first of all, you have defensive-minded head coaches, which would be Belichick, and then you have everybody else on that side of the ball who's not Belichick. So if you go into an interview and you know they've already talked to Bill Belichick and you basically do the same thing he does, how do you pitch yourself? I have some real strong ideas that I'd like to try out with your $5 billion company. But you do I'm see the other really side of it, though. You see the other side of, like, if Raheem gets the gig or McDonald gets the gig, they don't come in with the Bill stuff of have the buildings cut sure, off and we have to absolutely, reassign people. I get it. There is some of that at play. Now, Bill <laughs> hasn't been named the head coach yet, but Chuck said he's already offended some of us. Um, maybe, or I, I think I, I in particular, I'll speak for me. I think I'm supposed to be offended, but I'm not. Um, and we were talking earlier, um, and who was our friend we talked to from ESPN Boston, Seth Wickersham. That was Seth Wickersham, yes. And he mentioned a report from NBC Boston, NBC Sports Boston, that part of the reason Bill Belichick is, had chose, and it was a mutual, I guess. Yeah, we're both sick of each other chose to leave the Patriots is because he was tired of the media in Boston, the tough media, the aggressive media in Boston. Part of the reason he wouldn't consider a job, for instance, with the Eagles, which I don't know that their head coaching job is really open, but 
um, in some markets is because he wouldn't want to deal with, for instance, the Philadelphia media. Um, that part of the reason he's considering the Falcons is Atlanta doesn't often have tough media. So, yeah, he'll consider us more than Philly or Boston, where every press conference is apparently the rack from medieval days. Now, here's the funny he's thing. He's going after you. I just want to give you one opinion here. <laughs> when he said, if if this report is true, that he part of the reason he would consider the Falcons after all of the football stuff is the media is a hell of a lot easier than they are up in the Northeast. Um, I never really thought he tangled with the media. He just ignored them. Mm-hmm. He would just outrude them. And then after a few years, most of the media just kind of gave up with him um, because he wasn't fun. When someone doesn't respond, then it's not fun to gig him. It's Which, a- by the way, is his plan. Exactly. He doesn't, so want, he doesn't want to engage. Thing, he wants to give you as little reason yeah. as possible to ask a follow-up question, yeah. whether it's that day or a year from now. He wants to be as uninteresting as so whatever. Um, but the thought that but 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 that was his relationship before. I never thought the media really bothered him because he wound up getting his way. Um, but the comment on the Atlanta media that should be offensive to me or anyone in this industry. But two points. In most cases, I'll say in the 24 years I've been in the Atlanta media, yeah, sure, we've probably been easier than Boston or Philly. No, we are. Yeah. Uh, and two, I don't want to be in a mean, nasty, coach-killer media environment, Matt. We're still talking about a game, and whether you ran the ball or whether you threw it or you kicked it, those are still your three choices. And we killed Mike Smith because he decided he wanted to run the ball instead of kick it. Uh, we've killed Bill Belichick because he threw the ball on that Sunday night instead of kicked it against the Colts. Um, it's still a game. And so I don't want, I don't want to be that media. And so I'm, I'm not offended by it. I'm like, yeah, sure. Fair gauge. So no, we, we talked about this Friday when Los was in that there was a member of the Boston media who read this thing and, and sort of laughed it off too. Cause he's like, his words were, Oh, we kissed Bill's backside for the yeah. last 20 plus years. He had it easy Message here. So got it across. I, I don't know how true this is or not. I have no idea, but the one thing about our media that I always find interesting, and there's a difference in press conference media and what we do, right? When we have an interview, I like to hopefully ask thought-provoking questions that we can get some answers. In a press conference setting, you got to get your one or two questions in. You're writing a story or you're trying to find your angle of what you're going to do. But what I've seen is the answers that our sports figures give sometimes dictate how the media feels about them. Not so much the results. Sometimes the two are tied together, but here's what I mean. Mike Smith was the nicest guy around. I didn't care. I didn't know Mike Smith. Arthur Smith might have been the biggest jerk around. I don't care. I didn't know Arthur Smith. Dan Quinn was a walking bumper sticker who, instead of getting angry, to your point, we used to make fun of Dan. I loved making fun of Dan because I thought it was a good laugh because his stuff was so just nobody talked about it. Brothership was awesome. It was awesome. But we liked it when they were playing well. We made fun of them when they weren't. But I will say this. We still made fun of them when they were playing well. I remember Lois when he was on the show. We absolutely did. The fact that he mixed up fellowship and brotherhood. I'm like, of course, those were the two words that he melted together. You're right on what you're saying. A, we are softer. We are easier. But I'm good with it. What you're going to see if Bill gets this job is there will be a faction of the Atlanta media who does not like him for the same reasons that he talked or acted the way he did to the pressers. And it might not be tied to results. The first time he loses, they're going to pounce on him because Atlanta media does not take well to gruff exterior personalities. It's just the way a lot of media in this town is. Some of them are older. Some of them don't like 
to hear the answers, the way they're delivered, not even what they're saying, how they're delivered. I think if you're a coach in Atlanta, you'd be smart to have some counseling by somebody who's been in the city to say. I remember Budenholzer never really got that right. Hold on. I would want you to counsel somebody to say, if you do lose, if you treat the media with kid gloves around here, they won't call for your head right away. Dan Quinn took a while. I was the first one in this media group that, and I did it in, in 2017. They went to the Super Bowl the year before, and I'm like, this guy can't coach. But everybody was so enamored by his niceness and what a great guy. And his, he was, he was uh, amiable at the uh, press conferences. He had a Falcons t-shirt. It looked like a Trans Am logo, like the old like Firebird logo across the top. It was so cool. But the media didn't like Arthur, and the first chance that they started to lose, they were going after him because they didn't like how he said. I've always said, Chuck, I don't care how you sound. I'm the guy who I don't want to get too close to the coach. I want you to win games, and I'll judge you on that. I will not judge you on what you say. I don't. Most times they're throwaway stupid things. Your point on Belichick's a good one. He doesn't want to give you anything to engage. Never going to be any different. He doesn't want you to think his press conferences, you're going to get anything out of him. That's how he is. And the Boston media went, kind of sucks, but this is what it is. And he was winning at a remarkable pace. Charles, I guarantee you, if they start two and four, the media here will crush Bill because of how he sounds as much as the uh, the results. Those two things will go hand in hand. You don't have to be Mike Leach. And I think he will forever be the very far end bracket where people would plan not a single football question. It would be a question about the Utah mascot. Um, You don't have to do that. And Mike would play along or maybe he would just be honest. But Belichick is the other end of that bracket. He wants nothing that is interesting enough to engage about. So I think, and I'll give you examples. Because I criticize a coach decision or whatever it might be, doesn't change my overall opinion. I'm a huge fan of Brian Snicker. Huge. I thought Snick got an easy out for how poorly he handled Leaving Elder in for five Game three of the long. NLDS, right. But I just thought, he, because we love him. Everybody loves him around here, so he got an easier pass. And that's in Atlanta that happens. It doesn't matter how much you like anybody in all these other cities. They're going to get after you in a bigger way, and there'll be some questions you have to answer. Here, he didn't answer a bunch of them except for a few questions right after that game was over and, and it kind of went away. It's just we're built different that way. But for Bill Belichick, it would be better for him. Like, you don't get pressed. I mean, you just, you don't, man. Do you imagine what a presser is going to sound like when on a, on a Wednesday it's D-led? Hey, good morning, Coach. How are you today? Two or three local TV guys, somebody from The Athletic, and Michael Rothstein. Bill's going to look up and go, when are we starting? Where is everybody? We have started. This is it. This is the presser. I'll never forget. You're you, it, Bill. Go ahead. You and I know the name Aaron Salk and the audience won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to be way back. He uh, ran the Falcons media. Years ago, the he came Giants, from, maybe or? came from the Giants. I think he was in San Francisco, and I'll never forget Aaron saying to me one time, "He's like, I've never seen so few requests for stuff, or so few amount of people compared to all these other places." Just, I mean, that's that's Atlanta. It's a very different. So I don't know how much it matters to Bill, but he'll appreciate it. <laughs> I, think you, I think he'll like being left alone compared to some of these other places if he gets the job. Now, the last part of this: Do you think he puts on a little act at the opening? Or the debut, like the presser when they introduce him, if he gets the job, do you think he'll be a little more like smiley, go, you know, go happy kind of guy? Oh, yeah. He'll make a comment about the black and red tie or something. Yeah. I think there'll, be, there'll be a more gregarious sure. bill. Then he'll go back into his normal form when he's. And as soon as uh, he will take the clip on off, hand it to the assistant, and then immediately take the blank copter to Flowery Branch. And then he'll lock the door behind him. And you won't. See him because he's in the part of the building you can't get into with your key card. Hilarious. Access denied. You guys can stay connected to all the latest news, your favorite fan shows on our fan app. It's all sponsored by Beaver Direct. The Beaver. Beaver Direct is the fastest and easiest way to shop online for your next vehicle. Visit Beaver. Toyota of coming.com to see what wow. 
Wow. Really means download the fan app now in the Apple app and Google Play stores. Chuck Oliver's College Football Today. Got the beta king. Yeah, it is. And when I say we got more portal weirdness, and Matthew, um, just even in the era of name, image, likeness, you think there's one recruiting thing that really is off limits. First of all, just maybe it's anecdotal, but I think it is a comment on the times. You know that we're still, what, two weeks and a couple days out from this year's, like the class of 24. This year right now is recruiting class being complete, still being built. Already, the same high school senior is listed as both Alabama's number one recruit and Ohio State's number one transfer. Julian Sayan, five-star quarterback, listed as the number one recruit in this year's class to Alabama. And he is a transfer out of Alabama to Ohio State now. So, Ryan Day's got somebody to work with. They're, Alabama's roster is getting strip-mined. Um, and there is a bigger picture here. I am de-emphasizing true freshmen right now. When I say de-emphasizing, I mean, like, I might run the other way. Um, in almost all cases, when most things are equal, running backs are going to be different because I can put a running back back. It's pitch right, left, whatever. And a running back can do it as a true freshman. If you're at any position where it takes a little bit of development, spend my money on grown men. That's just what I'm going to do. Uh, there were two stories that came out this weekend, Matt, to drive that home. There is a kid uh, that big-time recruit at Alabama, Caden Proctor. And Caden Proctor was a five-star uh, offensive lineman recruit. He was a number three offensive tackle recruit in America, and he went to Alabama. Now, again, true freshman, started at left tackle, was a freshman all-SEC member. It was not a per- – you saw the Alabama offensive line. It was not a perfect season, and this kid was a true freshman. He wasn't Cyrus Quanjo or Andre Smith. It was a little different. Everybody saw the potential, but that kid struggled, and he had, I will say, a couple of Saturdays that were turnstile Saturdays. Well, he jumped into the portal like a lot of Bama players, and he transferred to Iowa. He was at the game Saturday in Iowa City. They're hosting Purdue. They're playing basketball. This is Caden Proctor when he was asked why he transferred to the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's why it was so easy for me to pick them when I did enter the transfer portal because we still have those relationships. And um, even even after I was doing bad in the SEC, you know, and, you know, struggling, they hit me up and said, um, you know, we're proud of you. You're going to get through this. And um, that's what that's what ultimately helped me with my decision because, you know, I still they still believed in me. Okay, now that's again that's the Purdue basketball game in the background. He said, Well, they recruited me originally, and even after I was at Alabama starting for the Crimson Tide, they continued to hit me up on Saturdays. Matt, mm. he's on the record. I don't know. There still is a rule. Like the Iowa offensive line coach can't text the Alabama left tackle after a game and say, hey, I watched you. I liked your footwork. You hang in there, young man. Like, we got a place for you. You can't do that, can you? No, you shouldn't do that. Okay, well, that's okay. It's a different – got to change your verbiage. He said, and they still hit me up even after I was struggling and I was in the SEC starting for Alabama. They continued to contact me. Holy hell. All right, the other side of this, LSU freshman – Lance Hurd, he was a big five-star kid as well as an offensive lineman. Now, Ian, this is another thing. It shows, again, just even Caden Proctor how rare this is. 
it's not a it's not a real thing for an 18 year old kid to play on the line of scrimmage in the SEC, especially on the interior. But my line of scrimmage is just not. And this kid shows up as a five star, and he had I was told six figure name, image, likeness money for a true freshman offensive lineman, Lance Hurd. They got ideas for him. He started the Army game, uh, maybe one more. He played in all 12 games, special teams, blowouts, whatever, but he got on the field. Part of that was, Lance, we love you, and we want you in the program, and you are the future, Lance Hurd. Well, Lance apparently wanted to double his money, and so he jumped into the portal, and Tennessee broke him off. So there is a backstory here. Anytime you see a five-star kid that showed up at a program, he ran, he lifted, he ate, he got the coaching, he took the 100000 and then the very next year he's like, okay, now that I'm grown up and more of a man and ready to actually play and hit people, I'm up for bid. Tennessee, like, what is the smarter route? To spend the big money on the 18-year-old kid that you got to water and give son to? Or to be Tennessee and come in a year or two later and go, Hello, grown man. Come play for us on Rocky Top. Like, Lance Hurd, I think he's going to start for Tennessee this year, and part of it is courtesy of LSU. Chuck Oliver's College Football Today on the College Football Voice of the South, The Fan. All right, coming up, I know a lot of Falcon fans don't want Belichick here. That's pretty obvious. But this part of the package might intrigue you. Plus, some reason to believe this coaching search could go on even longer than any of us had predicted. We'll tell you about it next. I've got to share a very fun rumor with the class coming up in a couple of moments. It's Chuck and Chernoff. I'm Matt. That's Chuck. We're we're identifying ourselves to you all. And you should do the same with us. Don't, Don't worry that we can't hear you. If you're in a car, you're in the office, just say your name back to the radio. It'll mean a lot. Chuck and turn off till uh, six o'clock. Good word to follow. Talking all things jackets, and then he seven, has risen. Seven o'clock. Damon Stoudemire will to uh, talk about the jackets. We'll be at McCamish tomorrow, doing the show live there before uh, the jackets host Pittsburgh. So we'll be down there at one of the great places. Just very underrated joint to watch a great game. We'll be there tomorrow. Your home of the jackets, of course. All of us here at the fan. All right, coming up in five minutes. Chuck says everybody in Braves country. Just got a little closer to another parade. Oh, parade talk. Sign me up. On January 22nd. I'm so excited. Hells yeah. We'll get it coming up. So here's the quick rumor I wanted to share with you. So uh, apparently the 49ers tried getting Tom Brady out of retirement to be their starter this season. And they even told Brock Purdy he would be the backup for the year if they got Brady per ESPN. Early in the process, Kyle Shanahan sat down with Purdy, assured him that if he was healthy, he would be the starter. Unless Brady wanted to play one more season, then you got to sit. (laughs) <laughs> boy nobody get away from this guy can they they cannot move on to anybody else and Purdy's like I thought you liked me the only reason we might not have won the NFC title game last year is because I got hurt you're gonna call this old dude but Brady said niche niche and they kept uh, Brock Purdy and now they're on the doorstep of the uh, Super Bowl again commentary on the idea if that's true the idea that Kyle Shanahan had for his idea of Tom Brady. Now the reality of Tom Brady would have been different and it was declining. And there were just, there were times his final season with Tampa, it was not good for like three and a half quarters. It's not supposed to be. And then he would do some stuff. But this to me is always a bigger picture of Brock Purdy. And I love the fights about Purdy on social media. Yeah. He's the one now everybody's like overrated. Shouldn't be an MVP candidate. He's the reason they won the game at the end. I love watching people fight over stuff that frankly, there's some nuanced answer in the middle and nobody will give in. So that's the latest from ESPN. All right, uh, Josh Kendall 
from The Athletic uh, tweeted about the Falcons' request to interview Mike McDonald, yet again the D.C. of the Ravens, and Anthony Weaver, the defensive line coach and associate head coach. Kendall writes, Atlanta folks came away from first interviews very impressed with McDonald, Weaver, and both Detroit coordinators, which is one reason the search might go on a little longer than we originally thought. Good. We have production made for days and days. The Falcon coaching search can go for 30 days. We have At that point, we might have trouble because we might run out of production until then, but it's not going to end anytime soon. Now, we know that a lot of Falcon fans don't want Belichick in Atlanta. I've got it. I've heard a check. But what if I told you there is one element that would and should make you feel a little better, and that would be Josh McDaniels coming with him. And right now, some of you are screaming at the radio, don't want McDaniels. You don't want him as your head coach, but you want him as your O.C., Now, the pushback on McDaniels will be anybody could have done it with Tom. Maybe. Maybe that's the case. But what if I remove the Tom years? Just give you a couple of alternate Josh McDaniels seasons as an OC. McDaniels was the Patriot offensive coordinator from 06 to 08 the first time. He had to coach with Matt Castle. Oh, that was a 10-win season, wasn't it? That was an 11-win season, right? I'm sorry. The year that uh, Tom tore his ACL in the first week. That season, the Patriots were eighth in the NFL in points scored scoring nearly 26 points a game. 2009, McDaniels leaves to go to Denver. Bill O'Brien takes over the play calling. Tom Brady comes back. Patriots score 26.7 points a game. So it was relatively the same, just to give you a little perspective, a little context. All right, how about 2021? McDaniels had come back after, uh, or he'd been there, I'm sorry, since 2012. He was calling the plays till 21 before leaving for the Raider job. Mac Jones as a rookie was the quarterback. Do people know this? You know the Patriots averaged 27 a game and were sixth in the league with a rookie quarterback? And he wasn't overly dynamic. Mac Jones was not. No, but at the same time, I take an offense score 27 a game with a rookie who's not overly dynamic. I think Josh McDaniels, as an OC, you'd feel very good about. Josh, as the head coach, nobody wants any part of that. But him with a play sheet in his hand, running the offense and scheming stuff up, when I combine uh, Matt Castle and Mac Jones, 33 combined games, and the Patriots under McDaniels averaged 27 a game. That's not nothing. And let's be clear. Castle and Mac Jones are borderline starters at best. And I might be being kind. Chuck, there is a world where the Falcons have Jacoby Brissett starting next year. Or Gardner Menchu before a rookie gets yeah, his opportunity. Sure. Like that is not out of the realm of possibility. And I will add, it's not like you're going to lose McDaniels. Nobody else has given him a shot. Like he used up all that currency. There are certain guys that get a second and sometimes a third, but very rare third chance McDaniels ain't getting it. So it's not like you have to worry about somebody taking him away. Even when Bill leaves, if somebody else is the successor and McDaniel stays on as the OC, you always have to worry about somebody taking your guy. In this case, you don't. It's not something Falcon fans want to hear, but McDaniels is, is a good OC. Does a good job. The, the Brady years, I went and looked at the Brady numbers. Oh, they had years averaging 34, 35, 36. I mean, stupid. Again, Brady will get all the credit. But when I look at the years when he's not there and I still give you some numbers, I think you should feel pretty good about it. We'll see how it plays itself out. All right, coming up in five minutes, history tells us that Belichick would be renting in Atlanta. Not buying. And that Buy has, <laughs> And that has nothing to do with his age. Nothing at all to do with his age. I'll tell you about it coming up. But first, it's January 22nd. You're going to tell me, Mr. Oliver, Mm-hmm. that we could be planning a parade for 10 months from now with the Atlanta Braves, and today you're going to give us a reason why it's more realistic than yesterday? Uh, probably. Um, it is. Uh, I think everybody in Braves country <laughs> a little closer to it, at least. Blowing noisemakers. Addition by subtraction. 
Um, Houston just showed they're in Rocky Three mode, which is there is no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, or any real chance to win after tomorrow, for instance, after the 24 season. So one fewer real legit big-time contender. If you did not see over the weekend uh, a couple things, Kendall Graveman's pretty good reliever, and he's an end-of-the-bullpen uh, sort of guy who can be your closer when your closer has a night off or is injured or something. He's got some history there, and he's a really good pitcher. <clears throat> well, he's also injured now and out for the entire season. Did you see what the pivot was from the Houston Astros to losing a guy who could be their closer? Very expensive closer, yes. $95 million contract for another guy. Yep, for five years. If there was – and did they want five years? Hell no. Nobody wants a closer for five years. They wanted one year, like one specific year, like this year is what the Houston Astros wanted because do but five years is what they had to go. It's not just a coincidence that that contract got done like a day or two after Graveman is announced. Yeah, he's out for the year. Houston's like, oh f. No, no, no. We had built up for 2024, not just to be our go for a year, to be our final year. Chuck, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Jose Altuve is done after this season, uh, and he's still producing. He really is. Well, he's done. Alex Bregman is done. Justin Verlander, done. All that young pitching they got, all it's starting to hit their uh, free agency or arbitration uh, three, their final arbitration years uh, as well. And so getting a lot more expensive, as is Kyle Tucker. So all of this that Houston has put together, they've made some hard choices. They looked at George Springer and said, love you, bye, Correa, love you. Like guys they drafted and had their entire careers, and they got to be about 28, and they're like, yeah, no, bye. Replaced them and still went to and won a World Series even. Um, by their own planning, not publicly, but pretty obviously, this is supposed to be the final year. Uh, if they get off to a lackluster start, it will be everything except an inflatable gorilla on the roof and a spotlight in the parking lot. I mean, Houston will be – they're crazy. They're giving away all-stars. So we can win a championship even easier. Absolutely. Right. If you're doing bad value, imagine paying a guy who's going to pitch 60 innings for you, making $19 million. For five years each. For five way. years because right. you really, really, really needed someone to do that job this year. I don't know if anybody else would have come close to that bidding. It's one of these where I think you outbid yourself. And I always get nervous because I always think back to Kimbrell when he turned 30 and 31. It's just an, the latest example of guys with that much torque they put on the shoulder and elbow starting to break down and the injuries happen. Hater's going to be 30 in April. So you're paying him for ages 30, 31, 32, 33, and 34. You look at Kimbrell. I'm just giving you a comp. Kimbrell in, in his age 31 season, ERA jumped to 6-5. He only had 23 games. Age 32, the ERA was 5-2. Only, finished, only was in 18 games. Now he did have a bounce back. The following year, but another 509 ERA at age 33 with the White Sox only had 24 games. Like, it's, ugh, it's just it's, it's the danger of paying a guy who throws that hard for that long. Asterisk. We also just watched the Rangers play Arizona in the World Series. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, but as far as predictable, I believe the list of elite teams is about to dwindle. I mean, we are literally towing the line the first half of the season. What's it look like, Houston? Towing the line to the list of elite teams dwindling by one. I think we all agree, though. Like, you look at the NL. And I think Braves fans are a lot more concerned about those awful human beings in Philadelphia and those overpaid Dodger oh, Dodgers. Like, those are the ones. And there's always some other team. Like, Arizona popped out of nowhere. There's those. I'll deal with what comes out of the American League when we get there. But maybe that does make it a little easier. 
So I told you history would remind you that if the Falcons did land Bill Belichick, he'd be renting, not buying. And this has nothing to do with the 72-year-old. Bill could be 62, and I would tell you guys the same thing. Think back in sports to these iconic, hired gun-type situations. They don't typically last too long. Whether the teams win big or not, that's not what I'm telling you here. They, in in general, just don't last very long. Whether you're doing iconic coaches, whether you're doing iconic players moving to new destinations, they all have one thing in common. They were renting. They weren't buying. I'll, I'll just give you a myriad of like choices here. For instance, Tom Brady to Tampa, three years. Now, he was in his 40s. LeBron James was in his 20s. He was with the Heat for four years. LeBron James was still at the back end of his 20s. He went to Cleveland again for just four years. Kevin Durant to Golden State for three years. Well, Durant went to the Nets for three years. Peyton Manning to the Broncos lasted three and a half years. Favre to the Vikings, two years. Dwayne Wade to the Bulls, a year. It just keeps going. Phil Jackson in a front office role to the Knicks, three years. Bill Parcells to the Cowboys, four years. Parcells to the Jets, three years and on and on. Jimmy Johnson lasted only four with the Dolphins. The Michael Jordan thing's funny. He lasted two with the Wizards. We'll see how long Aaron Rodgers lasts with the Jets. These things just rarely you have a second. Like, Phil Jackson, the coach, is one of the, the exceptions. He had nine years with the Bulls, won all those titles, less than 11 with the Lakers. But he also went into a ready-made, built situation. Yeah. Kobe, Shaq, and let's go win. Belichick could be 62 years old. I would tell you guys the same thing. If he was here, it would only be three or four years. This has to be culture shock for him. You know, we keep talking about culture shock in the building. Wherever he goes and tries to replicate what they did, A, it's going to be impossible on the field. But just from a, like, daily lifestyle standpoint – you knew every insight working scenario with the building, everybody around. This has to be for a 72-year-old or a 62-year-old or 52-year-old night and day. Like Aaron Rodgers is going to be with, with the Jets one more year. That'll be done. He'll have had two years with the Jets. At the end of his career, you look back and go, it was only two. The same way Brett Favre and Peyton Manning. These things typically last three to four years tops. After that, you're an exception to the rule, and if Bill lasted longer, he would be a major exception because of his age. I wouldn't expect... If it was Pete Carroll, here, I'll add one. Guys, if they get Jim Harbaugh, he's only here three or four years. Jim Harbaugh is not a guy who plants roots. It's never been his, his story. He will be here three or four years. He'll move on to something else, too. I think the NFL in a lot of circles has to live in those shorter windows, unless you're lucky, and I say so lucky, to get Mike Tomlin. Not real. Or to get Belichick or to get Carroll. Those things are all the exceptions to the rules. Everybody else, it's Arthur Smith for three years. It's Jim Mora for three years. If you get some exception, it's Mike Smith who lasts seven. But that you can't bank on that. Yeah, I think it was Landry. Tom Landry was Dallas's only coach ever until, like, what, 87 or 88? And then they fired him. And Jerry Jones got hired, said, Tom, walk with me. Canned him, hired his buddy Jimmy Johnson, and then off to the suit. you got to make tough decisions sometimes. That's not real. That's not real. I bet Jimmy was there seven, eight years. Five. Five. Damn. That's what I'm saying. Two Super Bowls for himself, one for his buddy Barry Switzer, and he carried Jerry into Cooperstown. I'm Cooperstown. Canton on his back. That's it. Five years. But people think it had to be longer. No. And Jimmy, by the way, would fit this bill, too, coming from the University of Miami. He had built this already great name for himself. I didn't even include Saban to the pros because I think Saban was just not an NFL stylistically kind of built guy. But that's what the bottom line is. And the Falcons have to have serious conversations about – Harbaugh, Belichick, Carroll, any of these guys. What do we do if this follows history that we're only going to get three or four years out of these type of guys? Are we prepared to move on to something else and do this all again? This has to be exhausting in Flowery Branch. We told you it's being described as one of the most intensive coaching searches the NFL's ever seen. 
if it's just theater, though. I think it is. It could be, but you're still putting in the work. Somebody's interviewing these people. Uh-huh. Somebody's doing a second in-person interview. You know what you're doing? It could be theater, no, 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 but you're, no. you're going through this. Okay, I, I want to correct myself. It's theater for this hire. Do you know what it's not? It's not theater for the hire you're going to make in three years. Bingo. That's like Bingo. they're getting to know people for the next hire. For this one, I think it's theater. So, but okay. Theater would be insulting and it would come out if it feels like that. If any of these um, interviews feel disingenuous, you'll hear about it. Whispers will let it out. But, but in, you're on to something. Belichick's getting the job. I would tend if, to agree with you. But what you said is important. Falcons would be smart to have this whole thing going on for the next time because it's gonna it's gonna be here before you know it yeah, because the, of this guy's age and because of the history of these guys changing locations. If you hire Belichick, it's way more predictable that in three years you're doing the same thing than if you hire Slowick or whomever, somebody where the first digit of his age is a two or a three. Did you hear my um, silly my theory on this? I don't even think that I don't know what's allowed and what's not. I'll be very clear. Maybe we'll ask uh, Hadley on Wednesday. So they interviewed Joe Brady, who's the interim. OC with Buffalo. Nothing in person with him until Not yet. Yeah, tomorrow. But you can't make a lateral move in the league unless your team allows it. So if Buffalo's like, all right, he's an interim, we'll let him go. What if you had, had Brady as your OC, learn for three years and without telling us the way that New England told Gerard Mayo in the league, he's our guy whenever Belichick leaves, we could have a succession plan in place. Would that work for any of these other candidates if you – because you can't make a lateral. But what you could do with the league is say, Bobby Slowick, I know you're trying to get a head coaching job. If you don't – we're going to make you our head coach in four years or whenever Belichick is done, you have that written down. Is that something that's allowed? Because I like I don't know what the league rules on that are. I don't know that. And if like it doesn't come out in New England until they told us, oh, by the way, a couple of years ago, we did this. Go figure. If he's the coach in waiting and the offense stinks and is the reason. <laughs> right. That's the risk, Chuck. That's always no question. There's there's absolutely that risk in this. But uh, so when I say theater, I think for this go around, I mean, it's Arthur's team and the one takeaway above everything else from the presser two weeks ago or three weeks ago was it's my effing team. Mm-hmm. Like that was okay. I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll use a highlighter on that one. It's my team. He really, really wants Belichick. Belichick really wants the record. Nobody else seems to be even like casting a net. Right. In Belichick's like, but does Arthur is Arthur willing to punt Rich aside? Is he willing to punt Terry aside? Like those are the things that are going to be the holdup here. I told you guys the power and the distribution is what is going to potentially break this down at the five yard line. That's it. Bill, can you play nice with Rich? Terry, can you play nice with Bill? Can you grown folks? Can you all get along and coexist and work Bill, for the best of the team? Can you ask Rich if it's okay <laughs> to do X Y Z? Or can you run this by Rich after you come up with a decision? That ain't going to fly. And that's that's the, the last now, part of Rich, this. Now, Rich, it's just going to be a formality, Bill, but just run it by him. You imagine Rich looking over, or Bill looking at Rich for any kind of clearance, clearance on any of that stuff? My goodness. All right, coming up, one college football blue blood is having to deliver a tough message to part of its fan base. They went to Los Angeles and recruited active gang members. That would be a very difficult message. But that's not it in this case. We'll tell you what it is next. Happy Monday from Chuck and Chernoff. We're on the fan. That means we're on FM at 93.7. Try it. I'll wait. 93.7 FM. It's pretty awesome. If you don't like that, flip back to AM 680. Battle through the static, but we're still here. And then, of course, on the 680 The Fan mobile app. I hope you're waking up at the locker room each and every morning from 6 to 10. That's your morning show. That's how we kick off our day before we hand it off to Buck, 
who then dumps it off to Nick and Chris, who then give it back to us. You see how that happens? It's complimentary radio. Uh, Atlanta Sports Station 680, the fan in the locker room, are sending five lucky winners to Sandals Duns River Falls in Jamaica. How about one show? <laughs> I don't think we're eligible. I'm sorry. They had a great time, though. I saw the pictures. I'm sure they did, Matt. Social media was you great. Know, having been there before, I'm sure they knew their way around. They had a great time. You can, too, by tuning into the locker room starting Monday, January 29th, to learn how you can find yourself in the Caribbean experiencing those turquoise waters. Unlimited dining, luxurious accommodations, compliments of Sandals Resort. Your first chance to get entered to win one of our five trip giveaways in your spot on the beach or on the course at Sandals. Dun River, Duns River Falls there in Ocho Rios, Jamaica, comes up Monday, January 29th, 6 to 10 a.m. during the locker room. So a blue blood in college football has to deliver a very tough message to part of its fan base. What is it? Um, yeah, what do we do when 536 million just doesn't buy what it used to? Inflation, um, you know. Between 2005, now this is just public universities because they have to tell you. Between 2005 and kickoff of the 23 season, Ohio State donors had given $536 million to the athletic department from 05 to the kickoff of the 23 season. Matt, do you think that that's a pretty impressive number? It would feel like on its surface, sure. Yeah, not even top 10. Oh, wow. Um, What a cheap bunch of Columbus fans. Yeah, uh, they weren't top 10 in America. And so when that is the case, and when you're a fan of this particular program, this isn't like everybody else. You're Ohio State. So missing the playoffs, if you watch that game, Kyle McCord, they had a fourth down play. They're in Michigan territory. They're down by six points with the ball. They missed the playoffs by one play. Mm-hmm. They are immediately mad in a no bad ideas face. All right, we got to put everything is on the board. And so you saw how they pivoted. Can I give them a good idea? They're going to be 12 teams who make it next year. Save your money. Oh, uh, they, <laughs> now see, making the playoffs, I'm going to get to that. Um, making the playoffs is obviously the goal in the four-team era because you got to be conference champion and all that's baked into that. The 12-team playoff era is a little different. Think about all that wasn't happening with Ohio State before they decided, all right, so Michigan got change. Um, they had not just beaten Michigan. They had dominated that series. And so even if they didn't win a national championship, which was most seasons, but they still pulled off a couple, uh, even if they weren't winning a national championship, mm, they were still Ohio State. Even if they weren't winning a Big Ten championship, they were still Ohio State enough to the point that they got in the playoffs one year. Mm-hmm. We're still Ohio State. And even if we don't win the Big Ten Championship, we're dominating Michigan. They were 15-1 and against the Wolverines. Okay, all of that starts to go away, and then the Wolverines win a national championship. They don't have the skill set to deal with that. An Ohio State fan, the administration, whomever. So we're going to do some new stuff here. They went out and got an SEC athletic director, and they are going to take their donations game to the next level. Um and it's already, I mean, they're getting gorgeous. They're spreading it around like butter, and the results are coming in. Caleb Downs is the latest for a very motivated Buckeye nation when it comes to fundraising. Um, Julian saying five-star recruit quarterback who had been at Alabama and decided, you know what? I went there in large part, Coach, Coach Saban. I'm going to transfer out. Quinchon Judkins we already knew about. They already had McLaughlin, the center from Alabama. Will Howard, the starting quarterback from Kansas State. So, um, they're big game hunters right now at Ohio State. I don't know how many 
you look at Coastal Carolina or, I don't know, Georgia Tech or LSU, a random program from year to year may need to add like 18 to 20 kids. I think LSU, excuse me, I think Ohio State's going to add like two more and they're going to be two more monsters. Um, they're loading up for right here, right now, not just to make the playoffs, but to correct what clearly, Matt, when Michigan wins a national championship, they're out to correct what clearly is is way, way wrong in the college football world. Yeah, it's reactionary, but it's also smart. Yeah, it, getting Caleb down is smart. Well, but I mean, if you're going to be reactionary after your arch rival wins it, you want to say, look, look, look what we're doing to make sure this doesn't happen again. And in their case, like I said, they'll make the playoff. There are like three or fours that unless something catastrophic happens every year, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, those teams are going to make the playoff. But how are they judged now? Because it used to be, if you made the playoff, while it was disappointing that Ryan Day can never seem to finish the drill, you can be like, you're a playoff team. It's still a pretty big deal when you're one of the four. Now when you're one of the 12, if you don't win a playoff game or two every year, is it deemed a failure when you spend that kind of money? When Harbaugh is about to exit stage left for Michigan, like I want to know what the bar is for places like Ohio State. And now. if the on-campus playoff game is as cool as some people are pitching it, I think it's going to be cold. That's what I think. And I think it's going to be... Matt, I even think for a playoff game, I think it's going to be tickets available. You ain't got no students on campus. How weird. Um, and it's December 22nd or something, mm-hmm. so whatever. Um, but if hosting a playoff game turns out to be like this unexpected party that somebody just said, here, everybody, you want one of these on the 21st or 22nd, and we we don't even hadn't even hosted a playoff game yet, um, that could be another ding for a coach. Yep. It could. All right, coming up, where do things stand right now in the Falcons' chase? for Bill Belichick and what kind of obstacle all of a sudden could Rich McKay be in that and really any coaching hire the Falcons make we'll talk about that plus Kirby didn't get his job didn't get his guy for a change once in a while it doesn't happen for Kirby this is an example we'll talk about it next tonight in Arkansas there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light a business owner is burning the midnight oil an at-home dinner date is plating up possibility and it's all happening under one roof how The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com. 